Hello and welcome to Design Beat where we share the stories of creative women who dance to the beat of their own drum. We hope you come away uplifted, inspired, and encouraged to go for it. You guys, it's been a while. I recorded last week's episode before the break, so this is my first day back working on the podcast. And I must say it's good to be back, which is kind of a relief. (laughs) I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back after a month off, but I'm happy to be back, which is great news. Right before the break, I recorded an episode with my husband Clint on New Year's resolutions, and I hadn't quite come up with my resolutions yet, but I did end up coming up with a few, and I wanted to share them with you because I'm excited about them. So I have four different 10-minute goals for every day, every weekday. I kind of want to let loose on the weekends, but... I want to draw for 10 minutes every day, play either guitar or piano for 10 minutes every day, deep clean something, anything for 10 minutes every day, and study my scriptures for 10 minutes every day. I just chose a few things I've been wishing I was better at and decided to finally take action, do something about it, and I'm excited. So if you're still wanting to set goals for the new year, there's an idea for you. I'm about four days in and it's going great. (laughs) Today, we're talking with Elizabeth Silver. Elizabeth is a professional service pattern designer who's been working for the last two decades in the industry. She teaches beginner surface pattern designers the clear steps to find clients, pitch their designs, and create a profitable business with confidence and ease. And you will definitely hear some of that in this interview. Elizabeth shares a ton of advice from her time in the industry, which I was grateful for. As you know, I've been venturing into the surface pattern licensing world. Um, Before we get started, I did want to remind you about our graphic design contract template. Just super thorough, lawyer approved, template you can customize and use with your design clients and it'll just give you peace of mind you can find that at designbeatpodcast.com slash contract all right here's elizabeth okay elizabeth thank you for coming on today thank you so much i'm excited to be here i'm so excited to talk with you so let's get started with some icebreaker questions I always say rapid fire questions for the past mm, 33 episodes and they're not rapid at all so I'm just (laughs) calling them icebreaker questions that's a good idea that's a good idea the idea was to make it like quick but I just want to ask people more about their answers so I totally get it that way (laughs) I definitely get it I always want to dig into things Mm -hmm. that's me okay First question, what's your favorite snack right now? Mm. Well, I have a really, really wicked sweet tooth, but mm. but I will say I also, in the last like five years or so, have had various food sensitivities that kind of come and go. Mm. So sometimes I have to be gluten-free, sometimes I'm like really strict and don't have much sugar at all, and then sometimes I just eat whatever I want and I'm fine. So I'm kind of all over the place. Interesting. Um, But a standby, since I started having food sensitivities, a good standby for me is... um, uh, like microwave popcorn, like the kind that's, uh, there's a couple different brands, but skinny pop is a good one, which is mm. just like basically just a little bit of oil and a little bit of popcorn and salt. And it's not like, it doesn't have a lot of, you know, weird butter additives or anything. Yeah. Um, cause there's like nothing in it. It's gluten-free and it's delicious still. So that's, um, that's, that's one for me. And if I am, can have some sugar, snack. I make it into caramel popcorn sometimes if I'm mm. feeling fancy. Caramel popcorn's so good. Yes, it is. I love it. So good. Uh, favorite hobby? Um, I am just like, I don't know if I have a hobby. It might be that my business is my hobby, and that's what takes <laughs> up my whole brain. Um, so I mostly just watch TV and read, and and those are my two things. So those you'll are find totally me. hobbies. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But you know, my husband is like the hobby guy. Like he does all these different things. Like 
he plays guitar and he like does different languages and he just uh like builds things and makes music and does all this stuff and they all seem like real hobbies because they have like a things he has to get for them but since like yeah. you don't you know a tv in the library is all I really need like <laughs> it doesn't feel like a real hobby but all the same it's a good way to unwind I'm with you I feel like I'm just now coming to terms with the fact that tv is like my favorite thing to do I'm like I'm I gonna own okay. it I love watching yeah. tv <laughs> it's okay you're not the only one and uh yeah I I think it's a good it's just a good way to unwind because you know what I like to do obviously as an artistic person arts and crafts has like traditionally when I was younger used to be a thing I like to do but now I don't because my design brain gets in the way and I'm like overthinking everything and making it not just like a fun thing I'm making it like a design thing and so that's not relaxing for me (laughs) Yeah. So I can easily overthink something that's supposed to be fun. So I, <laughs> I uh, forget too. it. I will just watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, I want to draw. But then I'm like, oh, no, I've ruined it. I'm like stressing <laughs> about this right now. Yeah. That's why I like to do like I commit to not try and make money off of something I'm drawing. Like I'm for sure not going to think about posting this or selling Mm. it I'm just gonna draw I have to do that every once in a while that's good I'm trying to do that this this month too I've got a little project gonna come out on Instagram that I think is fun and it is not good (laughs) it's not good (laughs) art wise art wise it's it should be fun but it's not like you know it's not really showcasing my talent or anything is it like a challenge or well yeah I haven't quite figured it out but the I don't know when this podcast will be released, but it's, um, you know, we're get, heading into December recording this and yeah. I, um, found, we took out our Christmas decorations and I found this like little like quiz thing that was like little drawings of different Christmas carols. It was like, you're supposed to figure out what the Christmas carol was, but oh. the drawings were horrible and they didn't really make that much sense. And so then I was like, I could do this and I could do it better and it could be fun. And so now I've started drawing like different Christmas carols but like you know you have to figure out what it is from how it's drawn and stuff and again I Mm. could draw it better but I'm not gonna spend like you know six hours on a drawing that's just gonna be for like (laughs) what would I ever use it for so um but yeah I've been doing it and it's kind of fun kind of relaxing gets me in the spirit all that kind of stuff so that's I'm gonna make a guessing game out of it or something like that maybe a giveaway I don't know that's so fun yeah this will launch in January so okay maybe people so, can go too late back guys and sorry but go back and there. see if you, yeah go back and see if you can figure <laughs> it out she did. that's <laughs> so fun um do you have speaking of shows do you have a favorite show um I am a comedy person I don't really get into dramas too much I don't get I watch a little bit of reality tv but not that much I'm really like a sitcom person and Mm. because it's light it's easy it's usually a half hour um Mm -hmm. so uh currently on tv I watch Bob's Burgers um and there's a couple different we've had a couple people say that yeah it's a good one and then yeah it's it's funny and um and what I've been watching on streaming is I just watched uh, Never Have I Ever, which is like by Mindy Kaling. It's like a mm. teen, kind of like a teen drama, but um, I'm a teenager at heart, I think. So. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I love those teenager shows. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm a sucker so. for those. Yeah. Uh, the guy, the guy who's her crush, is like very hot, and I was feeling a little skeevy for thinking that. But then I real, <laughs> then I found out he's like he's playing like an eighteen year old, but he's like thirty in real life. So I was like, oh, okay, really? that's our, yeah. isn't that funny? Yeah. I love who I they get to play for play high schoolers on those shows. Yeah, like, I oh mean boy. thirty. Yeah, thirty is real stretched. <laughs> that's like basically closer to my age than to a teenager. So yeah. I thought that was okay. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, last icebreaker question. What's your favorite creative tool? Mm. My iPad is has been my newest, like, and it's not that new anymore. I've had it for three years. But 
when everyone was starting to get into drawing on their iPads and on Procreate, I was like, mm, you know, do I really need this? Like, I, I do it on my computer with my Wacom tablet. Like, I don't really need this. Is this going to be something mm-hmm. I spend a lot of money on and then don't use hardly at all for work? Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. It's 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 such a good way to be to to take drawing with you. The undo button is everything. Like. My sketch, I I use it as a sketchbook now. And and how many times before I had the iPad, how many times I've done sketches and then like thought it's mostly good, but it needs to be a little bit bigger and a little bit to the left or whatever it is. And like kind of been like, all right, well, I'll fix it on the computer later. But I really wish a sketch could be better because but I can do that now. Just like a little bit of adjusting. You know, I already drew it, but I can just adjust or, you know, uh, push it one way or the other. And it's so good. So I really love um, Procreate and the iPad. Do you ever do that when you're drawing on a piece of paper? You'll try and like zoom or like yes, of course, the double tap. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally. It's it becomes second nature. It really does. It and really does. Once I started doing, I, I used to have um, like a Wacom tablet, like an Intuos, which is one where it's on your table in front of you and then you're drawing Mm -hmm. on the um, monitor in front of you so like you're drawing on the table and you're looking in front of you Um, but once I started drawing directly on the iPad it started to get harder to do that to to have that disconnect between what I'm drawing and where I'm looking it's hard to get used to I switched over to um to a Wacom Cintiq which is the um which is like a basically a large monitor that you can draw directly on so it's more it's more similar to drawing on an iPad so do you still use both the Cintiq and your iPad yes yeah yeah so So the iPad is for like is like as a sketchbook um yeah yeah drawing in front of the TV or like if I want to get outside or be away um and definitely more like loose sketches or if I'm drawing something maybe for like Instagram or something but when I'm doing like client projects um you know I'm taking the sketches I didn't on the iPad and bringing them into Adobe Illustrator 90% of the time um to make it vectors yeah to make it vectors um I'll like image trace if I have already done some of the shapes um just kind of depends on what exactly I'm working on but yeah that's that's usually my workflow that's awesome I've never tried a Cintiq I usually am just doing like an image trace from my iPad into Illustrator but that would be nice to have the option of drawing in vector form I did have a Wacom I don't even remember what it was but it was one where you're drawing on the table and then looking up at your monitor Mm. it was hard it it is (laughs) and I had like a cheaper one so there was like a little more of a lag and it just kind of drive me crazy it's all what you're used to honestly for the first two years that I worked I designed with a mouse, like, which I can't even believe now, but like, yeah. I would, I would be drawing, drawing with a mouse basically. And it's just what I was used to. And then I, I had to like get over the hump and learn wait, like the tablet. Cause I was like, I know this will be easier once I figure it out, but you know, it does take a while for your brain to kind of catch up on that. And, but then once you do then it's so much easier. So totally. It's so interesting. It really is just like, you can use whatever. It's just mm-hmm. whatever whatever you want whatever you're used to like natalie uh cooper chilton i always forget what's her maiden and married name anyway she is like an amazing illustrator and she uses her trackpad on her laptop oh my gosh yeah in illustrator I'm like you're amazing that would be so hard but she's just gotten really good at it and that's what she does yeah like that's a talent Mm-hmm, for sure. So whatever you, yeah, you can you can do anything if you put your mind to it and practice, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, so Elizabeth, if you want to tell us, do you want to just give us a background about you, how you got sure. started doing what you do? Sure, I'll give you the the quick version. Um, I, uh, I've been doing surface pattern design for like 20 years now, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Um, I started in college. I majored in surface pattern design. Um, I had never heard of it. And I went to Syracuse University and I went to be some sort of designer, some art graphic designer or 
illustrator or what, I wasn't quite sure, but it was going to be art and it was going to be something functional. And they had a really small major called surface pattern design, which is very rare. And and they don't even have that major anymore. Um, And so I took an elective in it and I just was like, this is perfect. This is just what I want to do. And so I majored in it and I went right into, when I graduated, I started working in New York. Um, I worked for a bedding company for a couple of years, designing for their um, you know, comforters and sheets and all that stuff. And then I worked for a table linen company where I was doing placemats and runners and tablecloths and all that. And then I worked for Baby Gap doing the designs on like onesies and dresses oh and gosh. stuff. It was so fun. That's amazing. Baby Gap has <laughs> the best patterns. I know. It's you. <laughs> because it of you. <laughs> all me absolutely has nothing to do with anyone else um yeah no so it was a super fun um but I was just ready to get out of New York City and mm-hmm. I so I went um you know I left my job to go freelance about six months before we actually moved out of the city to just start the process basically and so that is what brought me to doing it myself which I've been doing now for like nine years and um and so I've been freelancing for all different types of companies and I also art uh, license my work, which um, is a little bit different, but it's all the same kind of just doing surface pattern for money at the end of the day. And um, some of it's patterns and some of it's illustration, um, but it's basically all just art for products. And so that is is my main thing. And now I teach it as well. Cool. So your motivator for starting to freelance was getting out of the city? Yeah, totally. You wanted to be able to go anywhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most cool. at the time, you know, my contacts and the knowledge that I had about where you could like work in house was basically New York and like L.A. Um, mm-hmm. and San Francisco, maybe. Um, and I knew we weren't going to be moving to the West Coast. So I was like, uh. and, you know, moving down to North Carolina, people, there is a like part of North Carolina um, where they do a lot of like furniture production and a lot of like home textiles. And so when I moved down, a lot of my like home textile colleagues were like, oh, you could just, you know, start doing that. But that's kind of, it's not close to Raleigh. North Carolina, Mm. I came from Connecticut and Connecticut is a small state that you can get to in two hours back and forth. But North Carolina is a big state comparatively. And so (laughs) even though, you know, it's not even like on the opposite side, it's still like a three hour drive probably to get to those kind of companies. So, so I went freelance and, um, and it, it was, you know, it was a quite a transition, but, um, can't, can't complain now. I love it. So how did you get started freelancing? How did you start finding clients? Well, I sort of dove in and tried all the things. And that is something, you know, I've looked back um, for in order to teach my classes and I have workshops and stuff like that. I've looked back at like kind of what's been the most successful things and, um, you know, getting the word out, saying that I was freelancing, telling everyone, reaching out to old colleagues and putting it up on LinkedIn and just all the information, telling my friends and family, like just not making a secret about like, this is my new thing. It's not something, you know, I I wasn't shy about it. And I think the thing is sometimes people are shy because maybe they're coming from a totally different background of like, oh, I used to be a graphic designer and now I want to draw greeting cards or like I used to be a teacher and I want to do something, you know, patterns for fabrics. But for me, I was a designer. So it was really just, I'm still a designer. I just want to be a designer in a different way. So if you got jobs, tell me, I'm already ready mm-hmm. for them. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, like send them my way. So I was very vocal about, um, you know, if anyone knows anything and that was I, you know, I was able to get a couple, couple clients through that. And then, um, online reaching out to people and all kinds. And at this time, was it for custom patterns or like Um, design work? Sort of any design work. I mean, yes, all art for product, but, um, but sort of any design work. So, 
One of my earlier clients and that I still work with to this day um, does like party party paper. So mm-hmm. like I would be designing plates that's for happy birthday for a 21st birthday party or something like girls 21st birthday party so and I'm so I'm just drawing like the circle I'm working with fonts to do hello or a happy birthday and and stuff like that but it's all art for product um okay I did more home linens from some of my home linens um like connects I worked with evite I designed invitations for evite for a while mm. um so basically any any kind of like stationary textiles I did dinnerware um I've done a little bit of everything which is which is really fun um yeah so sometimes it was more production and sometimes it still is a little bit more production meaning maybe I do the original pattern but then it's like put it into you know put it into a few different formats or like figure out how it can all go together with some other things we've designed in-house or sometimes it's just like we just need a couple elements for you to draw you know um, like for example, I work for a stamp company now. And so it's like, just draw a bunch of cats and we're going to turn them into stamps. And so it's not really like Fun. a whole layout exactly. It's just like cute icons. So, um, yeah. pretty much any, any of that kind of illustration is right up my alley. Cool. So transitioning from being an in-house designer to doing freelance, how did you decide what to charge? Mm, good question. Um, well, I had some basis from having worked in-house. The first thing that I thought about is that when I worked in-house, we bought a lot of art from design studios. And design studios are where they have, like, artists just make a million, like, prints, patterns, illustrations, and then they come into The Gap or to my home linen company with a huge stack of art, and they just flip the salespeople, and they just flip through, and, like, we're looking for, oh, next season we know we're going to, you know, summer season is coming up, so we're going to do, like... Um, sharks for the little boys and we're gonna do I don't know whatever umbrellas and something for the little girls so we're looking for shark prints that are hit the right tone and and look like they could you know have some good elements to them and and we're looking for pretty florals because we're always looking for that or whatever so I knew how much those prints cost which Mm. is basically depending on for apparel it's it's less um, but it can range anywhere from like five hundred dollars to a thousand or twelve hundred dollars um so i knew how much that cost and i also knew that sometimes we to buy it outright to buy it outright Mm -hmm. okay and i also knew that we sometimes hired freelancers um when like someone went on maternity leave or whatever we just had someone who was sick for a while and we just needed extra help um mm-hmm. and so i knew that their hourly the hourly that we paid them was you know between like it depended but like 35 to 50 an hour so that is what i based my prices on at first and okay. i think that that's is a good starting place but as an independent artist like i'm starting to i mean I have I've been talking about this lately. It's 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 kind of tricky because having started in-house, I really saw how much like churn there is for art. Like you just make mm. it and you keep moving. You make it, you keep moving. You buy it, you keep moving. Like you don't always use the art you buy. You don't always sometimes you yeah, you buy that shark print and you only use one shark and I put it into repeat and maybe add a couple elements, but I leave all the rest of the sharks totally off because they're too ferocious looking for babies mm. or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So like there's just so much, you know, mixing and matching that you do and so so much um sort of changing things in house that I had, you know, I have had this feeling that the art was a little bit more disposable and that's sort of good and sort of bad. The good part is I don't take my art personally and I don't get worried when people like don't want to buy it. I don't take it personally in Mm -hmm. any way at all. And that has served me. It's a great way to learn. Yeah, totally. But the bad part is, you know, there is some degree of like, being totally okay with those prices and being like, yeah, I can design something and you can buy it out for $500, which 
is maybe not the most sustainable thing um, to have an independent business, depending on how fast you work and how, you know, what the way that you work. Um, Mm -hmm. So my work has more traditionally just been like whatever you need. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm more like commercial rather than, you know, super into my own style and the expression of my art or anything like that. Right. You're thinking of what the client needs rather than expressing yourself. Exactly. Through. Yes. Right. So what would you say now, like, what does an average day look like for you? What are you spending most of your time on as far as licensing, illustrating? Tell us what, walk us through a day in Sure, the sure, sure. Um, so at this point, um, now I am also teaching classes and as part of teaching classes even though most of them aren't live it's like pre-recorded videos so sometimes I'm actually like creating a class but it's not the, my day-to-day doesn't really revolve around teaching the classes but what it does sometimes revolve around is creating new blog posts and new YouTube videos I do interviews with artists as well so interviewing setting up all that kind of stuff um you know, sending out newsletters, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of sort of content that ha- that relates to doing classes and like teaching, teaching, um, you know, what I have learned over the years. Um, so mm-hmm. I have tried to divide my, my weeks up and I try to do two days a week of like that kind of content stuff where I'm just like brainstorming and writing and recording and blah, blah, blah. And then two days of the art stuff where I'm doing client work, I'm finishing those deadlines, I'm, you know, brainstorming for the next project. Um, if I don't have a lot of client work, I might be, um, I'll be working on my licensing portfolio. Um, but yeah, so a day that is art focused is usually like checking in on a couple projects that I've been working on with different clients, seeing if I need to make revisions or updates or if I need to start the project because they gave it to me last week and I haven't even looked at it yet or whatever. And mm-hmm. then if there's not too much going on with that, then I will spend the time, um, yeah, like brainstorming for a collection or working on something that I've got going, a new greeting card design or something for licensing. Cool. So what's yeah. your favorite part about what you do and what's your least favorite part hmm good question I um, my favorite part is probably what everyone might say which is seeing my stuff on my artwork on products in stores like there's nothing beats that feeling to see Mm -hmm. like your art like walking into a store and seeing it there and being able to say like oh that's I did that like I made that and you say it to your kid or say it to whatever (laughs) say it to whoever if you're where my mom you'd be telling everyone in line (laughs) as my mom does if she ever sees my work my daughter did this so um but you know being able to see see my stuff in stores it's like this is the reason that I did this because I I, like most surface designers, is just, you know, want to kind of like bring a smile, bring joy to people through like having cute stuff and making cute stuff. So that is definitely the best part. Um, and and more of my actual job, I'd say the best part is like the flexibility and being able to um, do things at my own pace and, and sort of set my own schedule. And, you know, when my kids, I have two kids and when they're like home from school or whatever, um, they're out sick or, or things just change, I can easily rearrange and make that happen, um, without having a whole situation where I have to call my boss and figure out how to, you know, how to manage. And, and so especially during, pandemic times it's been a blessing such a blessing to be able to rearrange and not have to worry about balancing um a job that I don't control you know yeah that flexibility is so valuable Mm -hmm. you don't realize until you don't have it (laughs) how important it is especially with kids Mm, yes totally a hundred percent. So like, I don't even know how I would, I've, I've only been freelancing with kids. Like I, I didn't have kids before when I worked in house. So mm-hmm. I can't even imagine, honestly, but, um, but, and then I would say least favorite is 
probably uh just like tech some of the tech stuff can be annoying i don't i i'm okay with tech in general but like some of the like like email sequences and stuff like that and like just hooking up things repetitively like to make sure that if you want to get my newest free workshop that you're definitely going to get the right link automatically and then you're going to get a couple emails reminding you where the link is because everyone for you know loses the email and then you're going to get you know some information about whatever like bonus might be included you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. so having all those things work automatically behind the scenes always requires like some setup some writing email like writing multiple emails writing all the stuff making sure things are making sense and it gets kind of tiring after a while because mm-hmm. it's like oh my god do i have to set this time up again? consuming like, yeah time yeah. consuming you can cut and paste to some degree but there it's just no matter what there's always some some amount of like connecting tech to make sure things automatically go to people and then people ex- you know people want things immediately and so I I do have an assistant but like you know we still don't work on the weekends and stuff so if someone logs in and we're used to having this immediate you know oh wait I couldn't log in what's the problem I'm just going to send an email and if it's you know whatever if it's Amazon they're going to get back to you and help you right away but obviously if you email me on a Friday evening you're not going to hear anything from me till Monday so Mm -hmm. So having, you know, having those things work automatically um, is important so that people can, if they buy something in the middle of a Saturday, they can, you know, enjoy it in the middle of a Saturday, but, um, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. That would be hard. (laughs) Um, So I know you're spending a lot of your time on teaching and courses, but you are still doing client work, as you said, as well, right? and Mm -hmm. licensing and everything so are you at a point in your career where you don't need to be the one reaching out to clients anymore or are you still doing outreach um yes I am at a point in my career where I don't need to reach out to clients it's a wonderful place to be um there's always you know I have done a little outreach this year because there's always those dream clients so if you have a dream client you should reach out to them but as far as like making a living I don't need to be reaching out to anyone because I get some new clients um you know coming in and the clients I already have are repeat clients that I work with regularly so um you know, I am, I'm very lucky that I don't need to do client outreach for like income, but for my ego of like, Oh, I'd love to work with this brand. Um, yeah, yeah. sometimes I do outreach for that. What dream clients do you have? Who would you love to work with? Um, Kate Spade. I would love to work with mm. Kate Spade. Um, they have such cute patterns and they've always been some, um, you know, sort of like a company that I've admired and I've reached out. I've talked to the art director a couple times but it's just a matter of and I only did that this year and it's just a matter of continually sending work and I haven't you know I haven't continually sent work um you know I've sent it a couple times this year and but I need to like think of like more Kate Spade geared stuff because Mm -hmm. some of my style some of my work works for Kate Spade but not all of it does so it's like okay I already showed them the cute stuff that would be perfect for them but you know not everything not everything that I do is perfect for them so I need to create some new work for them I think that makes sense yeah so did you have a moment where it clicked for you where you knew this is what you wanted to do yeah I think so I mean, it was in college because I I switched majors. I was originally an ad design major, and I did it for a semester. But at the same time, I was doing, um, I was taking an elective in surface pattern design. And for ad design, you know, I was coming up with these concepts for brands and for whatever, and like kind of trying to be clever and like, and it it was just I just realized like why am I would I be using all my like brain power and my creativity to like shill for a different brand like for to like make Coca Cola look better or whatever it is you know um, mm-hmm. and so the idea of 
using my creativity to make like my water bottle look cuter is like directly benefiting me you know what I mean or directly yeah. benefiting like the my visual space and all that stuff whereas right. yeah like making somebody want to buy a certain brand of sausages or whatever is not <laughs> so I I talked to my professor my surface pattern professor and I said you know this is such a small niche thing this major the major had maybe like I don't know uh when I joined I think maybe we had like 13 13 people in the major for my my year and they're all women um and so I just said is this like so niche like am I would I to to like spend four years or three years studying this um because I picked in sophomore year uh Mm. to spend year those years studying this am I gonna like get out and just be like people are gonna be like what is this and I mean, yes, people do say, what is this? <laughs> but but my professor made a good point, and, and that was like the light bulb moment. And she was like, you know, you don't need to worry because, first of all, you're going to have a degree from, like, you're going to have a degree in art. So no matter what, you can always, like, pivot and be, like, a graphic designer or something later if you want to. But right. think of how many things have art on them and or have, like, designs and patterns on them. And that was, like, the moment where, like, I, I've talked to, to so many artists about this moment where you just, like, even though you grow up looking at stuff with pattern and, and illustration all around you, it, it's there's a there's certain light bulb moment where you're like, this is something that, I could do and somebody makes money doing like this is somebody's job and I just was like oh my paper towels have a design on them you know what I mean this is I feel like Mm -hmm. now paper towels don't have designs on them but they used to Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh you know like it's like oh paper towels have designs on them somebody has to do that like somebody has to draw those flowers or those whatever and so that's when I was like oh okay well there's actually pattern absolutely everywhere um and products all have art on them and and the reason that products sell is because there is art on them you buy a greeting card because it has great art not because the paper is nice and Mm -hmm. so I just realized that like this is this is the thing it's it's fun and it's functional it's perfect I just think it's so cool that you chose your major in college and you stuck with it for I know 20 years and you're still doing it I know I feel so lucky I do feel so lucky because I know I mean obviously I I work with like new designers all the time and it's like I wish I discovered you know like who wouldn't want to discover this yeah I wish I've been doing this for a long time like I everyone wishes they got started yesterday you know so I, Mm -hmm. I do feel very lucky um you know I think uh whenever people discover this this discipline and this niche it's like it's just it's a light bulb moment and it's like oh my gosh this is perfect for me and then you know there's a matter of getting into it so having that that head start from from college and working in-house I I am super grateful for that that's so cool If you guys haven't checked out Skillshare yet, you need to. You can learn about pretty much any creative field from the best of the best. And one thing I love about Skillshare is that you don't have to pay per class. You just get a membership and you have access to all of their classes. And it's self-paced so you can start as many classes as you want. You don't have to finish anything. You can jump around. If you want to brush up on any of your skills or learn something new, Skillshare is a really great place to do that. You can get 40% off an annual membership membership at the link in our show notes. People in college don't realize how many resources they have available to them. I feel like I didn't at least. Mm. Like then you get out and it's like there's not people giving me things for free and <laughs> all these amazing professors willing to help me all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But there is still I don't know what I mean, who knows what college is like right now, but it, I think there's there is still like a difference between at least when I went to school, you know, like the online thing was just starting. I graduated in 2003. So like finding a job online, like, yeah, there was definitely you could there was you would look for jobs online, but it wasn't the same as like having an online business, which is like I currently would say I have an on I freelance, but like I have an online business, you know, everything Mm -hmm. I do is online. So it's like I wasn't taught how to do that. That wasn't really a thing. Um, right. 
Now maybe they do teach it. Maybe they do teach it. But, you know, I was prepared to work in-house, but I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to like have an online business. Um, but maybe, maybe now they do teach that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I do feel like that is something like I learned the skills. I learned how to use the programs and I Mm -hmm. learned my degree was web design and development. So pretty much my, I I had an emphasis in design. So my classes were pretty much half programming, half design. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I learned, I don't know. I feel like it was a foundation, but Mm -hmm. most of what I do now is what I learned after I finished. It was just kind of, school was just kind of the push I needed to start. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like learning on the job. At the end of the day, you can't be, that's why I am, that's why I encourage everyone to just kind of go for it and start looking for clients, even if they think they're not ready. Because it's like, by the time you find a client and then, you know, you can never, there's no way to prepare for what your first client job is going to be like until Mm -hmm. you just do it. So you can like imagine the scenarios and do creative briefs and like whatever. But at the end of the day, you, until you do it, it it's, it's going to be different in every situation. So just go for it. That is so true. And there's always mm. going to be a client who needs the skills you have right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the price that you charge. I think a lot of people are just waiting. They have like a place in their mind that they think they need to be before working with clients. Yes. And I think there's a client for every skill level, really. Mm. Uh, yeah, finding them can be the hard part, but um, finding you're them, right. You're, t- you're absolutely them right. Hard. Yeah, yeah. But And that's another thing that, you know, you're not really taught in school, or at least I wasn't, of like, you know, getting yourself out there. That's something I've really had to learn. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing it, of course, when I was working in-house. Um, and that was a big shift, um, becoming, you know, my own boss is like, oh, I have to talk about myself constantly and I, (laughs) and Mm, self-promote and remind people what I'm doing and like remind people. And it's, it's not natural. It's not something that, you know, we're, we're taught to do, or we're used to do, especially as women, are we supposed to be talking about ourselves all the time? Give me a break. But people aren't really listening to you all the time. So you can talk about yourself all the time and they still won't, they won't really notice. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, It's so true. But like, you know, you have, people wouldn't be aware of you if you don't. And and that's okay. You know? So that's something I had to learn to do too. It's so true. I went through the phase where it's like clients don't count unless you don't know them. Like it's gotta Mm. be, it doesn't count unless it's, outside of my circle you know so I would try I try and go past like my friends and family and like find people I didn't know but I'm like that's that's where it starts like it has to most most of my clients are referrals even if they see me or reach out to me through Instagram it's because a friend told them to follow me or somebody I know and and that's okay. That's the way it's, it's hard, to be. but it's hard to, like you said, self promote and talk about yourself. I still struggle with it for sure. But those referrals, you can't. Yeah, beat that's the thing. You, yeah, exactly. Which is why you know I, I definitely tell people just talk, tell everyone that you're doing it. Like, don't keep it a secret. Like, don't think that you, you know, because you don't know the whatever the CEO of Hallmark or something that you don't know anyone who could get you a job because you 100 mm-hmm. do. I just hear stories about it all the time of like, I had no idea, but my husband's coworker's wife like is like the CFO of a fabric company, and now she's hooking me up with this, and I'm like, yeah, you would. Why would you know unless you talk about what you do like yeah unless you say I've been doing textile design and then they're like oh really that's so interesting because my wife works with it what you know if you tell people that you you know you are an assistant at um like a dental practice then they're going to talk to you about dentistry <laughs> mm-hmm. if you tell people that you design you know you design design patterns and and um that's what that's the conversation you're gonna have so have that conversation instead even if it's not your like professional life yet it's so true so for people licensing or looking to license their artwork um what would you say about like agents how do you feel about getting an agent yeah um 
So I have an agent. Um, I'm represented by Jewel Branding and Licensing, and I have been represented by them my whole licensing career. So oh, really? I didn't, yeah. So I didn't license my work before I um, worked with Jewel. I I just did freelance like work for hire type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all behind the scenes. It didn't have my name on it, and it was based on the client specifications. Um, and then in 2013, I um, signed with, I, I started looking for an agent and uh, signed with Jewel. And then I started working on my licensing portfolio. I had a couple, um, you know, I had been doing some designs with the idea of connecting with like these sort of dream clients. And, and one of those was like a fabric, you know, to like hook up with a fabric company and sell my own fabrics. But I didn't really connect that as licensing necessarily like I didn't have a full picture of what that really looked like so I was just like designing cool fabric patterns but not really knowing what that meant um Mm -hmm. and then um yeah and then I met or you know I, I reached out to Jewel and a couple other agents and managed to um catch their attention and sign with them and then I just started creating new work um, that was really my own because at that time my portfolio was basically a little bit of client work and mostly my in-house work, which I didn't own. I was showing like when someone said like, you know, when a client was interested, I could show them work that I had done and and say this is this is something I did, but I didn't own it to license it or to do it, to resell it or do anything like that with it. So um so I created, I started creating art that I did own and could do with, you know, had the, owned the rights to. And um, mm. that was a good way to balance things in the beginning because I didn't have a full client load. So when I didn't have client work, I just worked on my own stuff and that was going towards my licensing portfolio. Mm. Um, so my experience with licensing is all based on my agent and they are lovely and the advice that i give about people about working with agents is to understand that it's not like a magic key like people think like oh, okay i just have to get an agent to to want to work with me or find a good agent and then like my career is going to take off and that's basically what i thought too i was just like it wasn't even so much about licensing i was it was more just like i just need to find an agent and then i'll have more work and then i won't need to look for clients myself and agents, different agents work different ways, but my agent does licensing only, but they don't really, they don't hook me up with any of my freelance clients. I do that all myself, though. I have talked to people who their agents do all of it. They do buyouts, they do um, licensing, they do kind of commission work, which is basically freelance work. Um, so it really depends, but um, it's not you can't just expect somebody else to drive your entire career. You still have to have some agency and be able to um, understand that you're going to need to, you know, do as much as you can towards promoting yourself and creating new art and keeping up with the trends and doing the things that your agent is suggesting um, and maintaining that relationship in order to build your, your career. Mm, That's good advice. So does your agent, what sort of suggestions do they give? Are they like the middleman between the client and saying what they want? Or do they give suggestions like about the artwork? Like you could use some more of this in your portfolio. Um, A little of both. Yeah, they will, depending on the client, on the like manufacturer, like sometimes they're the middleman, sometimes they aren't. Um, For example, I have a fabric license and I just create, I have like three or four collections every year. So I just work directly with the fabric client and we just talk about what we want and whatever. I don't involve my agent in that. They, Mm -hmm. you know, they still get my like royalty checks and then pay them out to me and everything. But the actual design work is just direct with, um, with, my fabric licensee but sometimes yeah my agent is showing stuff and then they'll come back and they'll say oh you know they really like this but they just want you know this illustration is great but can you change the wording to something different Mm. or Mm -hmm. um you know whatever something that a client might request for sure or a different um layout like oh it's horizontal and needs to be vertical or vice versa um Mm -hmm. and 
as um, and they also give trend direction in general. Um, you know, not like specifically like just to me, but like to the whole agency of like here's what's trending. And they also do callouts, which is basically when um, manufacturers say like we have you know, these three trends that we're going to do for Christmas. Um, one is going to be like red and green, super like elf based. And one is going to be like farmhouse black and white with a little bit of spruce or whatever. And we're looking for, we're a company that does wall art. So we're looking for a wall art that can fit into this. And so they'll send up, my agent will send that out. And if I'm like inspired by any of those trends or, you know, feel like I've got a lot of wall art just building up for me to design, then I can design to those um, suggestions and submit to that, um, to those call outs. But that doesn't mean that I'm automatically like, because I did it based on what they suggested that it's automatically going to be licensed. It's still, um, you know, it still has to be the right art for the right project. Right. So how many, about how many artists does your agent represent? Um... I haven't done a recent count, I have to say, but probably around 40 to 50, 50-ish, 40-ish something. (laughs) When Mm -hmm. I started, they had like maybe 25, but they've definitely grown a lot since I started with them. Um, They're really amazing. They've hired so many new agents within the agency. They've expanded their like support staff. They've expanded like the stuff that they do for um, their artists, like you know, trend information is something that they didn't really offer when I first started with them, um, you know, and they have really great software and stuff like that. So yeah, they, they represent a lot of, a lot of artists and they have a lot of staff now to sort of run the, you know, run it all. Cool. So overall, sounds like you would recommend working with an agent, but just know you're still going to have to do a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That I mean, you know, it's 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 different for everyone. Um I can see why people don't want to work with agents and I can see why people do want to work with agents. Mm-hmm. And honestly, not having been on the other side of uh, I haven't been on in a place where I don't work with an agent, so it's a little hard to, you know, to say, but my experience has been positive um and yeah it's just it's just understanding that it's not a magic like wand that's going to fix everything and that oh you have a you have an agent so now you don't have to ever market yourself or do anything right it's too bad though (laughs) (laughs) well like i said there are different yeah for sure (laughs) but there are different agents that do different you know things differently so I'm, I'm, there are agents, I'm sure that if you just put your head down and do tons of art, you're going to be successful. I mean, I know, I know artists who do that. They don't really market themselves at all. And they just do a ton of art. They just do a ton of work. Me, I'm, I can't help it that I want to get involved with things. And, and so I actually probably don't spend, I I know I don't, especially for licensing, don't spend enough time on the art part of it anymore. Mm. Um, I did at first, but then I was like, it's not going anywhere. I have to like do more or whatever. Um, now I really should just do a lot more artwork and that would probably help, uh, boost my licensing career. But, um, but yeah, it all just depends on finding the right, it's still a partnership. So like finding the right vibe, finding someone who you can, you know, you're comfortable to talk to about whatever your issues are with your licensing portfolio or your, whatever it is. Um, that's always still going to be important. So yeah. So do you think it is possible to make a living just off of licensing? Now, I would have said before, I don't think so, but mm-hmm. I do know people who do it. So now that I've been interviewing um, artists, I interviewed Nicole Tamarin a few months ago, and that's up on my YouTube channel. And um, yeah, she does only art licensing and she does a ton of art. And that's what I have learned. Um, that's what I've learned from some of the other people I've interviewed as well, who are really successful with licensing or licensing is the biggest part of their income. Um, mm. It's it's quantity. And now not to say mm. quality is important, of course, and Nicole right. is super talented. Everything she does is gorgeous. So it's not even about that, but she just makes a ton of art. And, and I know, um, how much um, is a ton? <laughs> that's what I 
not trying to get out of her, but it seems like I would just say she you I mean, she's working because she's that's her whole thing. So all she does is art Making for 40 art. hours a week. Let's just yeah. say 40 hours. But I talk to her sometimes and she's like, oh, I got to work tonight. Like she probably works more than 40 hours just creating mm. art. So, I mean, like I said, she her art is so gorgeous and it's very detailed. She's like a watercolor artist. So it might take longer than some other people's types of art. You know, like if you're mm. more simple, simple designs, it might be easier. But, um, you know, she she does a lot of art and, and I'm. I have an interview that hasn't come out yet, but it will by this point with Erilyn um, Wiederhold. And she also gets all her work through her agent. And her agent does, um, they also do like commission and, and like kind of freelance stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but she just, yeah, she just does a ton of art. So it's like, it's where your focus is, is what is going to grow. So if you want it to be licensing, it it's a bit of a slow game for sure. Um and that's the thing. People lose focus and they're like, okay, I've been doing, and that's pretty much what happened to me. It's like, okay, I've been doing this for two years. Like it's still not a very big part of my, um, my income. So I need to add other things. Like I can't just sit here and wait for, you know, six years or whatever. But, right. um, if you, if you focus on it, you certainly can do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're almost to an hour, um, before we wrap up. I wanted to ask one question we like to ask everyone is what do you do when you feel stuck when you need to motivate yourself to keep working keep creating how do you get unstuck Mm. I try to figure out a way to not think about it (laughs) to not Mm. to not overthink it you know um lately this year I've really felt kind of creatively stuck and like oh I don't know what to do and and I can't draw anymore and just like all the all the things of like I don't even like am I even an artist like what I don't even know you know (laughs) so going through that little like creative crisis and the way I'm not like totally out of the woods yet, but the way to like move forward has been me just saying, okay, for the next seven days, I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw for 20 minutes. Here's what I'm going to draw. Like literally just boom, 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 boom. These, I just make up random things. And then that's all I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. And it's not about how good it is or any, it's not something pretty. It's like, just do the work. Just action brings clarity. Action, Mm. um, gets you moving. Um, and, and it it gives you confidence because you see that you can oh yeah I can draw it's not the best drawing it's not um, you know like whatever it's not award winning but I, I yes I can still draw <laughs> so we're okay mm-hmm. um, and and I think you know we over it's the same thing with sending out pitches or any anything it's like you can overthink it and say well I don't I'm not quite ready because this email isn't perfect and this that the other but it's like just push send and see what happens you know and mm-hmm. if you don't hear anything back then you know that maybe okay it wasn't quite right so ne- your next one is going to be a little bit better or a little bit more thought out or whatever but like just hit send just move forward just try it um and then adjust from there right action brings clarity I love that yeah that's super important that's so good All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Elizabeth. Is there anything you want to share with us? Plug, where can we find you? Um, You can find me on Instagram at eSilverDesign and um, head to my website, which is ElizabethSilver.com. And I have a blog there. You can access my YouTube channel there. Um, and the blog has like tons of, it has all my YouTube videos, but it also just has other various advice. So if you're interested in surface pattern design, um, or just like art for products, um, in any way, you can definitely check that out. Or if you want to hear, you know, other, um, after you've listened to the entire design beat podcast catalog, then you can (laughs) check out, check out some of my interviews on YouTube and hear some more, um, conversations with artists. Um, so check that out so this is so good so much good information i'm excited to check out your youtube channel yay thank you for having me lauren yes thank you all right we'll talk to you later hey thanks for listening i appreciate you all the reviews whenever you post about the podcast on instagram means the world to me we do have a review 
Somebody wrote me a review for Christmas. Just what I asked for. This one is from Melp1987. It says, Joyful listen. I'm not a professional creator, but I love this podcast. It has inspired me to want to exercise my creativity and see what I can do. It's such a fun, lighthearted listen. It makes you feel like you're hanging out with friends. I love this review because that's all we want is just for you to feel like you're hanging out with friends and to maybe feel a little inspired as well. I'm always (laughs) embarrassed when friends or family tell me they're listening to the podcast because I'm like, well, it's just kind of for designers. I don't know if you'll like it, but I've had a lot of people lately telling me they are enjoying the podcast who aren't designers. And that makes me really happy. I think there's a lot of principles that can be applied to a lot of different areas of life. And it's just fun to hear people's stories, I think. So I appreciate you so much. Tag us on Instagram when you're listening. Post a screenshot in your stories. It means so much to me. So Melp1987, DM me on Instagram and we'll get you some goodies. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.